0: Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items. And never fear, there's nothing here that bites, hard anyway. <laughs> Hello there. I am delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am. Of course, your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And today I've got something very peculiar to show you. This may look like an ordinary crystal ball on a brass pedestal. Uh, But if you look into this, gaze into this crystal ball, you may see the misty clouds part. And you may find yourself looking into another world. Yes, look closely. You may see young children of varying ages, and if you look even closer, you might even find yourself as a youngster. Yes, this is a portal and a look into the world, the secret world, the mystical world of childhood. And it is the subject of our latest episode of Oz Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at The Innocents. The Innocence is a film that I'd kind of heard about. I'd heard the name bandied about. It came out in 2021. It's a Norwegian film. It hit the festival circuit last year, Cairns, uh, stuff like that. Uh, there was some, some buzz about it, uh, but I'd kind of forgotten. It really wasn't on my radar, uh, even though I had heard the name. I didn't really know uh, much about the subject matter of this movie, but it wasn't until I was listening to to the Losers Club podcast the other day, and they did an excellent interview with uh, one of my favorite authors of all time, if not my favorite author of all time, Stephen King. And one of the subjects they were kind of talking about are transgressive movies, and Stephen King brought up The Innocents. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that film, and they didn't go into great detail of this film, but they, they spoke of the transgressive nature of this film. And I'm like, I, I've got to check this out and see if I can find it. And it did come out uh, video on demand, I believe earlier this year. So I was actually able to watch it, found it on Amazon Prime, rented it, and watched it, and wow, what a film. And I'm like, you know what? I've got to talk about this on the podcast because this is, I mean, it's not horror. It's not true horror in the traditional sense. I know it's described more as a thriller, uh, but it does have a lot of aspects of horror. There is a lot of horrific subject matter in this movie. So I thought this is perfect for the podcast and and the supernatural nature to it all uh, really intrigued me. But this movie, it's directed and written by Erskil Vogt, which is not a director I'm familiar with. I mean he's done more screenwriting in Norway than than directing, but I really enjoyed what he did with this. I enjoyed the cinematography of it. I enjoyed the story of it, the the direction and the acting was just uh, really good the movie had a lot of atmosphere but even more so than just atmosphere it really was a a movie that built on tension uh i mean the tension is is quite high in this in, in some parts and while it is a little slow moving uh, deliberately so uh i don't that didn't seem to hinder things for me I, i'm not really uh against a slow moving movie if there's a lot going on within that slow-moving nature of the movie. Uh, If you're getting a lot of character development, if you're getting a lot of insight into the characters, and there seem to be a lot of themes throughout this, you've got the title of the movie, The Innocence, and that really is, you know, listening to a lot of interviews and reading a lot of interviews from from Erskil Vogt, kind of talking about how, you know, kids growing up, they are Innocence. Uh, they may not be innocent. Uh, you know, kids do some really shitty things. Kids do some uh, what borders on cruel things as, as children. Uh, but the way he kind of described it, it's it's that kind of inquisitive nature. Kids are are constantly learning. They're constantly exploring. They're constantly trying to find their own morality, their own set of values. You know, you start out with the values your parents gave you, but sooner or later along the way you've got to develop uh your own sense of values. And kids in trying to figure out what their values are can can do some cruel things or, or what uh can be perceived as cruel things. Uh while they there is a, still an innocence to them because you can't put a, a child on trial. They can be innocent but not innocent if you get what I mean. And and also, I thought this was kind of like a treatise on the nurturing of children and how a child is nurtured. The moralities and, and those values can be kind of instilled in them, kind of that moral compass that guides them to either having good values or bad values. And we see that in a couple of the kids in this movie. Now, the movie starts off with this family, uh, mother, father, and two daughters. They're moving to this this gigantic apartment complex. And, and this family's moving, and we meet these two girls. There's Ida, she's the younger daughter, and Anna, who is the older daughter. Now, the older daughter, Anna, is autistic. And I, I heard this described by Eskil as she has regressive autism. He was reading an interview or watching an interview with an author whose son had this uh, regressive autism where he started out fine and he could speak and communicate normally. But then, you know, somewhere three, four years old, uh, he started to uh, developed more and more traits of autism, lost his ability to speak. And, and that's the, what this character, it, we hear little bits and pieces of conversation where Anna was speaking fine and everything seemed normal, but then all of a sudden she just kind of started regressing uh, into the autism that she, she currently has. And, and the actress who plays Anna, I don't think she's autistic. I mean, she may be, but I don't think she is. And she did a really good job portraying that. I think uh, Erskil Vogt did a really good job directing her and kind of coaching her. I don't personally know anyone with autism of that level. And what I know and what I've seen of, of people who uh, who have children and uh, been around children who are autistic, I-, I thought it was a really authentic portrayal of autism. And I thought that was really good. And the character is really Interesting. You don't find out how interesting until later. But we meet this on a character, and we we really are first introduced to uh, Ida, the younger sister. She's about nine, ten years old, and she's doing little kid things. She does the weird thing like kids. Uh, she's got this candy that she's smeared on the window of the car, and it's just sit there, and the the sun has melted it, and it's kind of sticking there. It looks like a little chocolate or something like that. And all of a sudden, she picks one off the window and puts it in her mouth. It's disgusting. But that's the kind of disgusting stuff that kids do. Uh, she does that. She reaches over and gives her her older sister, Anna, this, this horrible, twisty pinch. Uh, because she feels like her sister can't feel it. Because she never expresses pain uh, of any sort so she feels like her sister can't feel anything so she does like a cruel thing in in really giving her sister a nasty pinch but i really like the Ida character because she does feel like a real kid Kids can be cruel or, they, or, or the things they do can come across as cruel. When they get to this apartment complex, she goes out kind of, you know, exploring, looking uh, to see if she can find any kids to play with, I'm sure. But she's alongside of this pond and see this earthworm that's come up above ground because of the rain and she steps on it. You know, I remember doing that stuff when I was a kid. You know, you'd be out uh, running around in the backyard and see a bee on a dandelion, and you step on it. I'm I'm horrified by that now. If I could snatch myself up as a child and give myself a crack on the ass for that. Uh, I, I would do that because you know I and now as an adult I know how important bees are to the ecosystem and how important bees are to pollinating and how important bees are to life and how we're losing the bees and that's that's catastrophic for humanity uh, to, to know that I was going around stepping on bees uh, I could wring my own neck but kids do that sort of stuff and and they really embodied that in the EDA character <laughs> this is one gross scene where she was scratching by a cat and the scratch is starting to heal but she's picking at the little scab and she eats it now I was never a scab eater don't get me wrong uh, I did some disgusting things as a kid but it was never a scab eater but but kids do that sort of stuff and there's this sort of like quasi malevolence inside of her and 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 that is possibly inside of a lot of kids you know like I said kids are exploring they're testing the boundaries of things they don't understand the consequences of, of their own actions they're curious about life and death and you really see that embodied in this character uh, she's willing to do things that are maybe morally questionable because she's at that age where she's just trying to discover new things and and discover the world and and discover how she fits into it and that's where she meets Ben and one of the things I, I thought was interesting because this family Ida and her older sister Anna they're the stereotypical Norwegian kids blonde hair fair skin but they come into this apartment complex and they meet kids uh, of varying races uh Ben is probably of of Arab descent of some sort I know the actress that plays his mother is is iranian i'm not sure about the young actor who plays ben uh where he hails from but you know he's he's got of arab descent Uh, there's another little girl aisha who is of indian descent and Ida meets ben and they kind of run around doing things. Aisha meets Anna as Ida has taken Anna out to the playground to play and kind of just leaves her there. But but uh, they meet, I- or Anna meets Aisha. And then, you know, these two sets of friends come together to form this This quartet of friends, and and that's one of the things I liked about it, because as kids, you know, you're you're not really looking at the color of anyone else's skin, and I like how they portrayed that. You know, kids do have that innocence about them that they generally don't have racism in mind. It's it's taught to them, and how at this age, you know, kids of all different colors come together and play, and it's not really a big deal. It's only a it only becomes a big deal until. Some idiot ingrains that into their psyche, and that usually comes along in time, thanks to shitty adults. (laughs) But where the movie really gets interesting is that when Ida meets Ben, Ben shows her something that he can do. She drops a, a bottle cap in front of him, and he can make it fly off using the power of his mind. It's never said or spoken, But he has telekinesis. And as the movie goes on, we find out that he has more psychic abilities. We find out that Aisha, the reason why she connects with Anna is because she is very... It's kind of a version of telepathy. She can read Anna's mind. She can tell what she's saying. She can talk to Anna uh, through her thoughts. Uh, She's also very empathic. She feels what is happening to other people. There's a scene where Ida finds some broken glass on the floor you know they're just moving in something's apparently fallen and broken and some glass wasn't picked up. She puts this glass in her sister's shoe. It's a very spiteful thing but I also think she knows her sister can't feel it or she thinks that her sister can't feel it because her sister never reacts to pain uh, the way everyone else does. But you see a situation where Anna and Aisha haven't even met yet but Aisha can feel the glass in Anna's shoe and she she pulls her own shoe off and she has a vision of her sock being all bloody which we see come to fruition when Anna's parents finally take her shoe off and realize there's been glass in this shoe all the time and the poor kid has been walking around on broken glass all day long and we find later and in varying increments throughout the movie that she has different abilities and and really it it kind of feels like she has she has that mental telepathy she also has the telekinesis that Ben has. You see a, a scene where she's kind of moving water with her mind and she has a couple showdowns which we'll get into why, but she has a couple showdowns with Ben where she is equal to him in his growing power, if not greater than him in his power. And you never know why. You never understand why. But uh, but we'll we'll talk about that coming up. The only one that never really shows any any signs of any sort of powers is Ida. But they do like kids do. They experiment with the powers and they play you know little games with them and they have fun and they do kid things. But we find that Ben has a, a bit of a darker side early on in the movie. Ben and Ida find this cat. It's actually Aisha's cat who uh, she never, I don't think she ever finds out what happens to her cat, but her cat gets uh, let out and and she's searching for him. But uh, Ben and, and Ida find this cat and they decide that they're going to take this cat up to one of the upper floors of this apartment building, drop it down the stairwell. And it, it, this was probably one of the hardest scenes to watch because my wife and I, we just... Uh, lost our cat uh, a couple months ago a few months ago this cat was a black and white tuxedo cat shorter haired but very similar to ours and, and to watch this boy uh, and this girl kind of being there guilty by association drop this cat down the stairwell and you hear the the yowl as this cat hit something and there's a scene where you see the cat kind of limping off as they run down to try and find it they find this cat uh, laying in this kind of storage area and ben is like should we kill it and Ida is like no no let's let's go and then you see enough of it uh you see ben's crush its head and it, it was just one of the more disturbing scenes at that point i was almost like f this i'm i'm turning this movie off it was it was quite upsetting that i mean I, I hate to see any sort of cruelty towards animals or cruelty towards children, but I'm also a fan of horror. So I know, you know, sometimes a, a little bit of that comes with the territory, but just the the graphic nature of this, it was, it was really disturbing. And I almost turned the movie off. I'm glad I didn't. Uh, that was really the only scene like that in the movie, but it really puts you in the headspace of where you need to be to understand this character, Ben. Ben is very much like, Ida in that he's he's curious. He's always trying to to explore things, explore life and death. You know, there's a scene where they're torturing these ants, beating the shit out of it, this anthill with sticks and rocks and, and things of that nature. He's obviously exploring life or death when he drops this cat and then decides. I think in his mind, he was thinking he was putting out of its misery, but it was just a very disturbing scene. He's a kid that feels... I mean, they never really show it overtly, but he feels neglected. His mother is very stern with him. Uh, We never see her loving her child or saying nice things to him. His hair is always kind of, it looks like it hasn't had a haircut in quite some time. Um, he's He just feels like he's on his own most of the time and has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he gets picked on by bigger kids. This is a kid that, you know, you, you got to imagine he's thinking, well, if I, if I were bigger, I would show them sort of situation. And you can feel that anger in him with With each thing that he does, this little acts of cruelty that start off kind of innocent, poking anthills with sticks, but then it kind of progressively gets more aggressive and more cruel with the cat. There's a situation where his powers are developing more and more. It seems when these kids are together that their powers are enhanced and and stronger. And he ends up breaking the leg of a kid playing soccer with his friends and and that that scene was disturbing not only the the special effect of the legs snapping and this compound fracture but the wails of agony from the the little actor playing this young boy were just gut-wrenching and heartbreaking then aisha she can sense what's going on she shows up to stop him and he's uh, essentially force choking her (laughs) you know he's cutting off the air to her And Ida pushes him to to break his concentration, knocks him down, and he gets up and and you feel like stuff's going to happen and then uh, somehow... Uh, Anna gets out of their apartment and shows up there. And you have this like gunslinger showdown between her and Ben, which this was all kind of preceded by an incident with Anna, Aisha, and and Ben, where they're playing this game, this little telepathy game. And they're just saying disgusting things. Edith's thinking something, whispering it into Anna's ear. And Anna is transmitting what is being said to Aisha and Ben. And one of them is Ben is a turd, <laughs> and uh, of course everybody thinks it's funny except for Ben. And you see him use his powers to to knock Aisha over and fling a, a large rock that just barely misses Ida. So the kids got anger issues, and that's what I found kind of interesting about this because you take these two characters, uh, Ben and Aisha, they're very similar. They have very similar lives they both are being raised by single mothers. But like where I said, Ben kind of feels neglected. Uh, he never seems to get any love from his mother. We never see that. Uh, all we see is her yelling at him for making a mess and kind of shaking him and and his unkempt hair. Uh, he's He just always seems to be alone. Where Aisha, on the other hand, is a very similar situation. She has a single mother, but her mother works hard, but her mother makes time for her. Her mother's always saying nice things to her and always caring and nurturing and tender with her daughter. And that's the kind of daughter that Aisha is, the The little actress who plays her. She has the, the sweetest little thing. She is so adorable and she's so soft-spoken and kind and caring and compassionate. It kind of comes with the empathic abilities that she has. And it was kind of interesting to see these two kids in similar situations with single mothers, but you see one who is neglected and the other who is nurtured. And you see how the the one who is nurtured, the child who is nurtured is a very caring, loving, compassionate person. The one that is neglected is that the child is very rage filled, has a a very much a disregard for the well-being of others and becomes very vengeful, which takes his story and his character to a new level when he realizes he can, for for all intents and purposes, to quote a a Stephen King book, uh, he can push people. He can use his psychic abilities to influence somebody to do something where he has a man that lives in the apartment complex kill an older boy who was picking on him. And after the incidents of the leg breaking where Ida pushed Ben down and uh, while he was trying to choke the life out of Aisha and there was the showdown with Anna, you have this scene with him where he runs back to his place and he shuts the door and he's crying and he's upset. And you almost feel like this, this poor kid, you know, he's he's a little asshole and I've never wanted to see a kid die in a movie more than I wanted to see him with all the shit that he does, the cruel things that he does. But then you see this and he's you realize he's just a kid and he's upset because the only friends he had are now against him and he does what kids do and that's act irrationally. And instead of trying to work it out, He is trying to push adults to to attack his former friends, which leads to one of the the most heartbreaking scenes in a movie, the scene with Aisha and her mother. And I'm not going to go into great detail because, you know, if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, I do want you to, but uh, he he does push Aisha's mother to, and this is a spoiler. I'm not going to tell you how it all goes down, but uh, Aisha's mother stabs her daughter and just the, the it was such a heartbreaking scene because this little kid is just uh the embodiment of being innocent and she's just the loving most caring kid and her mother once she is off the influence of Ben and realizes what's happened her pain and anguish the the scene is just like i said it's a heartbreaking scene it's so powerful so emotional the acting from both the mother and the the daughter in this were just out of this world and it and it raised the stakes of this. and for as slow as this movie has been, uh, business really picks up at this point as we go rocketing to the the climax where Ida is trying to take matters into her own hands and she tries to take care of Ben unsuccessfully. he attacks her and tries to take her out unsuccessfully uh, and it, it all culminates with this big showdown between Anna and Ida and Ben. And one of the things I found really interesting about this showdown between them, because it was a psychic battle between Anna and Ben. We find out that Ida has some sort of abilities as well, And she and and Anna are holding hands. She's kind of lending her strength to to Anna in in some way as she fights Ben mentally. And it would have been really easy for them to, you know, if this this movie would have been done here in America and done with any sort of budget, we would have had a lot of really shitty uh, CG effects and it would have been just overdone. This was done so simple and so quiet, and you did get a little effect. Uh, They had this effect that they did when when Anna and Ben are using their telepathic powers, their psychic abilities. Uh, The ground kind of vibrates, and and you see a little bit of the sediment of of dirt kind of rise up off the ground a little bit. It's nothing that we haven't seen before in, in various movies. Marvel does it quite a bit. But it was a subtle way to show their ability at work. But as far as the, the mental battle between these two, uh, it was just done so quiet and still and and without a lot of fanfare the way a real psychic battle would be it was all in the mind and we don't even go into their minds to see any sort of uh, representation of that battle It just it was a really bold and interesting way to do it without being very interesting uh, I mean like I said it's just these two kids they're acting with their faces and Anna wins the day. And Ben is, is sitting on a swing in a park somewhere else. And he he's dead. And it's, it's a heartbreaking thing because he's just a kid. He was a horrible kid. He allowed the circumstances of his life to put him in the position where he was filled with nothing but rage and anger. And he couldn't control those impulses, those base instincts to act on that anger and had no one to guide him away from those base instincts and those vitriolic impulses and he paid the price because where an adult would say well you know he has a chance to change uh these were kids dealing with this and it was the only thing that anna and Ida knew to do is they had to stop him because he was he's already uh, broken a kid's leg uh, killed the cat murdered two people, tried to murder them, it was just going to get worse the older this kid got probably. And you know, if if this trajectory kept on the same course and kids dealt with things uh, the way kids know how to deal with things and we kind of see the conclusion was really interesting because it played a lot into the and i didn't really talk about this throughout my kind of discussion my my views on on this movie as as it progressed because i wanted to save it until now because uh, like i said at the very beginning Ida has a very antagonistic uh relationship with her autistic older sister anna uh she's doesn't want to have to take her out. She's embarrassed by her. She feels like her mother favors her because she she's autistic and needs special attention. That's why Ida kind of acts out, puts the glass in the shoe, pinches her sister. But when Aisha befriends Anna and kind of can talk to her in her own head, uh, she expresses that Ida says, oh, she can't feel pain. And Aisha says, yes, she can. She just can't express it. And I think through that and the incidences where Anna has shown some powers and she's defended Aisha and Ida against Ben and at the very end where it took Anna, who is autistic and could be perceived as being, you know, she's not going to be any help, but she was the one because of the power she had, she was the one that was able to defeat Ben and and protect her younger sister. And I think through this film, through this story, Ida learned to understand that there's more going on inside of her sister than she ever realized. And while on the outside, she doesn't come across as very complex Uh, on the inside, which she's now kind of had a window into because of the Aisha character, she realizes that she does feel things. She does think things. Uh, She is a protective older sister. And that's something she's never really understood or experienced in her time with her older sister. But now I think she understands. And at the end, you see a more caring and loving relationship between, or at least from uh, Ida's, uh, standpoint with her with her sister, who has kind of gone back. You know, we get scenes where, because of her time with this group of kids with powers, she starts to be able to use words more. Uh, some of it has to do with the influence of Aisha, who can kind of talk to her in her mind and tell her what to say sometimes. But uh, but she does feel like she is progressing back to where she can at least talk again. And all that's gone now that these kids, two of the four of them are dead. Ida has just found that she has some sort of ability uh, because of her showdown with Ben. She has a, a broken leg and she ends up, she's trying to get to Anna and Ben for that final showdown. And she screams and her cast breaks off. So she has some sort of ability. Maybe as she gets stronger with that, being with Anna... And at least having the two of them with powers, that might be able to uh, make Anna be able to progress back to where she can talk. I don't know. That's one of the cool things about this movie that I really liked is nothing is really explained. There is no real lore as to these psychic abilities, these uh, telepathic abilities. There's no reason why these kids have them. There's no reason given why these kids together... Are stronger in those abilities uh, you don't know if it's them as individuals uh, were they drawn to this place were their families drawn to this place is it something special about this place that has given them these abilities or enhanced these uh, latent abilities. None of that is ever really explained. And that's that's okay. Sometimes I think things need to be explained. Sometimes no explanation is necessary. And I think in this case, uh, escovote was very smart in just not explaining any of it. It is what it is. This whole movie is about that that mysterious world that kids live in they kind of live in an alternate universe growing up as a kid you know they they live in a very secret place we all lived in a very secret place where we went off and did things that our parents didn't know about and when our parents asked us about what we did all day we were very vague about it because we were in a different world that they weren't allowed and they weren't allowed to know what we were doing. You know, we would go off like these kids. We'd go off to the woods and play. And it was very much like going into another world uh, that uh, it, it felt dangerous. It felt mysterious. It felt mystical. It felt like it it could break down into Lord of the Flies at any moment. Uh, something horrible could happen. And we were about, you know, a, a mile away from anybody that could do anything about it. It was a very like I said, a very dangerous world, uh, a very mystical world, and a very secretive world. Like I said, uh, you didn't want your parents to know what you were doing because, you know, sometimes it was very benign, but sometimes you were getting into shit that you shouldn't be getting into. That's the kind of world that kids live in. That's the kind of world I grew up in. And it's the kind of world that these kids are in, and that's the kind of world that Escovote uh, created In This movie and he along with the cinematographer did a a great job in really setting the atmosphere for this world in some regards the the uh, filming of this felt very otherworldly because you had the the yin and the yang of these extreme close ups. Of various things. You know, he wanted you to not only hear and see what was going on, but he wanted you to feel it. There was a a great texture to a lot of the things you watched on the screen. And that's that's the world of kids. Kids are exploring, kids are inquisitive, they're you know, not only seeing and hearing things, they're touching things, they're tasting things, and he wanted you to kind of feel all those senses in, especially some of these these extreme close-ups that you got but then he would go from these extreme close-ups to these vast wide shots that really kind of spoke to the the vastness of the world from the perspective of a child uh, and it also spoke a lot to the loneliness of that kids sometimes feel especially these kids in this because all of them kind of come across as being a little bit of a misfit they're not hanging out with all the other kids playing soccer they they kind of find each other ida is the new girl Uh, she doesn't have any friends Uh, anna is autistic and you know people uh, it's not right but people kind of shy away kids kind of shy away from from uh, other kids that aren't like them uh, ben is the the kid that has the the you know messy hair and aisha has a skin pigment disorder where uh, the skin around her her mouth and her her chin is is lighter than the rest of her skin and Kids can be cruel and kind of push kids that aren't like them away. So these, all these kids, these four kids in this this little group gravitate together because they, in some regards, probably feel like pariahs for varying reasons. And like I said, while some kids can treat those that don't look like them or run in the same circles as them as different and outcast, uh, kids can also uh, especially in their own understanding of of being an outcast, of sorts uh, can come together in spite of their differences. And uh, there again, that was a uh, an interesting juxtaposition uh, of this movie is to to see how uh, kids can be cruel and cast those that aren't like them out, but kids can also be warm and accepting, and in spite of their differences, and come together and become uh, quick good friends at least until one of those friends starts killing people. But they did a lot of really interesting shots uh, where things are filmed upside down. They did a lot with perspective. Uh, I think that really played into the otherworldly nature of this world of kids that we find ourselves in. In this movie, uh, the kids really are at the forefront. They're the main characters. The parents are the backdrop. The parents are secondary. And another really smart thing I thought Escalvote did is the casting of this. They did a great job in casting this. I mean, the parents were good, but these kids, I I think I heard uh, him say that uh, they took about a year and a half to find the right kids for these roles. And then, of course, they they did a lot of uh, workshops with them and kind of explained these characters and, and what they needed to do. I don't think any of these kids... Uh, At least most of the kids had a lot of acting experience. They are all quite young, but they all did just such a fantastic job. The young girl that plays Ida uh, did a fantastic job with, you know, she kind of has this innocent cherubic, you know, that stereotypical Norwegian little blonde girl with the round face. Look, Uh, she looks so innocent, but then she could do what seemed quite cruel Uh, you know, pinching her sister, stepping on the worm. But then we see her reverse those cruel things and realize that's not something she wants to be. And she plays that really well. Uh, The girl who plays Anna, uh, you know, like I said, she did a very authentic representation of of autism and was just a, a magnificent acting job to watch the little girl that played Aisha was just like i said just the sweetest uh, most kind-hearted character and she just played that so well which made her death so heartbreaking and and the young man who played Ben was was probably one of the more complex characters because like i said you know he's just a kid who wants to have friends and hang out and do stuff but he lets that rage fill him with anger and resentment. And he acts out on that. And you see the pain in him once he starts acting out, not so much, I think remorse for what he's done, but more anger and sadness that now he doesn't even have his friends anymore. And that just fuels the rage and anger inside of him all the more. So just the the acting in this was, was fantastic. Uh, it was something where, you know, sometimes foreign films, it's hard because, you know, you're trying to read the dialogue and you're missing things, but it really was an easy, easy film to watch and as, in as much as, you know, keeping up with the dialogue will still be able to take in all the visuals. It was quite enjoyable to watch and for its slow pace, it was really captivating enough, both visually and, And story and character wise that I didn't mind that it was kind of as slow moving as it was. And then once you kind of get into the last 20 minutes of the movie, it really picks up pace as we kind of go, you know, speeding towards that uh, that climax. And they lift, left a little bit of a question mark at the end. Is the story done? I, I think it is. I think it was a great way to end it with a bit of a question mark. Is Anna, has she reverted back or does she still have some of that power to communicate? I, it, it was an interesting way to end it. And like I said, a, a wonderful question mark to make you wonder what, what's going to happen next. But I encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to watch The Innocents, uh, you can find it video on demand. Like I said, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Uh, that's not an endorsement of them or an advertisement for them. They're not paying me to say that. That just happens to be where I watched it. But wherever you check out your video on demand uh, stuff, look for The Innocence* by uh, Eskel uh, a fantastic film if you like foreign films, if you like slow burn films, and if you like films with uh, interesting stories, interesting characters that really take the time to develop and and don't give you all the answers they give you just enough uh to keep you keep you entranced and this was a great atmospheric film that really played on a lot of tension so if you like that sort of thing check it out the innocence i enjoyed it love this film can't wait to see more from Eskel vote i thought he did a really good job writing and directing this supernatural thriller horror film so there you have it. That's a look at the Innocents. I want to thank you for listening. Check out our Facebook page, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop, for all that's going on in the world of horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. We're always posting trailers to the latest series and movies out there. Uh, we're always telling you, you know, keeping you updated on what's coming up with various podcast episodes. Uh, always sharing articles about horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. What's coming up? Some interesting things from from all over the internet. Uh, wherever I find it, I'm. Sure Sharing it on the Facebook page. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast, whatever platform, please subscribe to it, like it, download it, share it, especially share the podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And please, please leave a review. Reviews matter so much uh, because the algorithms, you know, if we get more reviews, more positive reviews, uh, some of these platforms like Google and and iTunes, they're going to expose this podcast to more people. Based on good reviews and, and a bulk of good reviews. So please leave those reviews. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you leave us, we appreciate it. We appreciate your feedback so much. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. <laughs>